So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and we finally have a round of Super Rugby Pacific to talk about. Um, myself, Archie, here with you, and Toby and Leo. You guys were at this first game of the weekend, um, Waratah's Drua. You got your first look at the Drua in person. Bit of a wet night um, in Sydney there, but the Tars, Toby, that confidence wasn't um, in error, they they look pretty good and they come away with a 30-point victory, bonus point victory on top of the ladder now. Yeah, and really nice to get a win on the board officially outside the trials. And, like, I actually think they left a lot of points out there, to be honest, and switched off a bit in the last 20 to 30 minutes, which was noticeable. But, you know, pretty good signs from from a team that was floundering so much last year. They look a lot more composed. They look confident. I have to say they look fit and big in person. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's not going to be an easy ride for them at all this season, but they showed that they're definitely a class above, um, you know, such a new team to the competition. Yeah, they they looked like a team that could suddenly uh, come onto the ball from depth. Uh, the, the combinations were there. Uh, the still wasn't quite as fluid as, as you'd like to see it not enough action for the wingers in open space. It couldn't create a lot of opportunities out wide for them uh, through through general play. But, like, really, really solid performances from Parisi. Jake Gordon was great. Uh, Donaldson was pretty good. Cridge was excellent. Um, yeah, just just a much more much more well, well-fitted team this year and the first win in over 500 days. Uh, it's good, good for the confidence, great for the, for the squad to, to put that one away and now start thinking about the next challenge. Fiji just looked like the conditioning wasn't there. Uh, definitely had some exciting moments. We're putting on a lot of hits. There's a lot of big contact in this game. Um, so the Fijians were certainly there to, to impress themselves on the Tars. But you could tell sort of 50, 60 minutes, there was starters uh, dragging their feet around and, and even some, some reserves as they came on didn't last too long. So... As time goes on, that conditioning will improve. Uh, the the attacking potency maybe isn't quite at the level we expect from a Fiji Sevens or a, a Fiji international team, but we've got to remember that these are guys more or less plucked out of the Fiji competition, uh, very few of which have played in a, in a competition at the same level as Super Rugby Pacific. So, uh, again, probably good that they're getting the Australian domestic treatment first before they visit New Zealand and could be some very big scores ahead for them. Hopefully they keep their heads up. Yeah, handling errors seem like the big sort of um, point line, which probably is a little bit down to conditioning, but only recording one offload for the entire game, zero break, line breaks. Um, that's just something that we're not used to seeing with a Fijian team, um, but I'm sure sort of more promising times ahead as they start to build a bit of chemistry. Going to Saturday, and we had uh, the Chiefs um, versus the Highlanders down there in a bit of a club rugby feel, um, Wakatipu Rugby Club there. And 
Chiefs come away with victory. They looked dominant early. Brody Retallick returns um, with a victory and some amazing silky offload smooth, um, skills from him as well. Um, survive a late rush from the Highlanders and take this one, 26 to 16. Whereas after that, down in Forsyth Bar, we got the Leicester Fyinganuku show, a hat-trick versus the Hurricanes. Um, bit of a bigger, higher scoring game than I think we expected out of the Hurricanes. 42 to 32. Again, some late points sort of helping out the Hurricanes there. Um, but Crusaders get the win, but not the bonus point in this one. Yeah, they'll be disappointed with their defence. Um, conceding 14 points in the last six minutes is really not not the standard they hold themselves to. Uh, so thankfully they uh, they still stayed outside the the margin we needed for our our little tip, our wager. But um, yeah, that very uncharacteristic of the Crusaders this might be a an early season nudge on on the coach on the defence coach to say. Got to, got to be there for 80 minutes, boys. Can't let the high standards of the the Crusaders club slip. Yeah, and I think sometimes when, you know, scoring points as they do come so easily that they can easily switch off in defence. And look, the Hurricanes prove that they're feisty. Um, they've got, you know, some game breakers in there and it's just sometimes I think, again, consistency lets them down. But Geordie was excellent in this and, you know, there are a lot of guys in the team that are putting their hand up. So maybe we're going to see, you know, a Hurricanes team that's got something, I guess, to prove this year and, and wants to mix it with the big boys. But I still think they're probably not at that top tier of, of New Zealand rugby at the moment. Jumping back over to Queensland and Saturday night, we had the Reds hosting the Rebels. Um, Rebels only managing to get the single try five points in this one versus 23 from the Reds. Um, not a huge amount that you could probably point to for the Rebels here other than maybe the delight of the New Jersey that um, the commentators were falling in love with through this game. Oh, I do not understand that at all. Not a fan of this jersey. Like I, I like how some of them have reinvented their, their look. Like the Crusaders jersey with the mountains, I think that looks really cool. Um, but the the rebels are doring like this, um, it's like cityscape kind of look. It's yeah, it's it's more it's, blending it's of the done. red, red, white, and blue. It just looks it looks it's hard it's hard to get a really good look at the jersey in motion. It just doesn't have nice clear lines, and it it's, I don't like it particularly. It just looks like a big smudge. Um, and it looked a bit smudgy in this game. It was quite wet. Like the viewing was. Um, was was compromised a bit by the weather. It was the weather we expected in Sydney, to be honest, is what they got up in Queensland. And the one thing I, I really took from this game is that neither team really changed the way they were playing, even in absolute torrential downpour. Like, it was absolutely hammering down. And no one really dropped in to just to sort of keep the ball um, close to, like, close, only a couple of passes, go through phases, grind up the field. Um, wear down a few defenders. It 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 just seemed like they both wanted to play with a lot of expansive style, a lot of long passes. Um, the the Reds were out there coating themselves in the grip tech handspray, trying to keep a hand on the ball. It was very odd. Again, a bit like the Crusaders, you expect the Reds now have developed this discipline where they close out games or they're they're always like in there right to the death, and they adjust their their attack or their their style of play to the opposition, to the conditions, to the referees. 
they didn't really do that in this game. So that was odd to not see that kind of maybe not so unexpected from the Rebels. They were just putting out Carter Gordon and getting absolutely hammered. Um, but yeah, like dominant from the Reds, good defense, kept the Rebels down to just a single unconverted try was 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 pretty impressive. And the only thing they desperately need is a hooker. I think the Reds obviously have very high standards. I think they were very disappointed in their performance after this one personally, even though they did enough to get the job done. Um, I just saw that there was a lot of improvement in them. And, you know, coming off the back of, you know, being Super Rugby AU champions last year, I think they're still looking for those, you know, really, really, I guess, efficient and physical um, play, I guess. And it's, I don't think that they were, they, they almost, you know, were acting a bit like it was a trial in some ways in the way that they were they were playing. And I, I think they're still a bit rusty from last year. So I think they'll warm up into the season and, and really be able to mix it with some of the better teams in this competition. Um, Tate McDermott said it after the game, you know, he didn't really think that they were too impressive in this one and, and left a lot out there. It was a it was a gift opportunity to get a bonus point. Um, you know, they maybe weren't going to put thirty points on on the rebels like the Tars did on Fiji, but they're they're now second on the table in um, in that they didn't get that bonus point, and that was definitely an opportunity when there's going to be very few opportunities against New Zealand playing in New Zealand. Like you got to take all the wins and the bonus points you can get now. But, like, seriously, their set piece really struggled. Um, Murphy was all over the shop with the throws. The Rebels were in there pinching the ball. Um, we called it last week, and a number of other outlets were reporting almost the same thing. I think it's pretty clear to everyone who looks that the Reds are lacking a solid hooker now that BPA is gone. And it was a shame Josh Nasser got the concussion early and Murphy had to come back on because he really only got to see a lot of Murphy, and he didn't have his best game as well as I think helped um, by the fact of Matt Phillips' return for the Rebels um, helped to really spoil a little bit of that set piece, not so much for the scrum, the Rebels really on the back foot for a lot of the game with that. Probably the game of the round, though, was Sunday afternoon down in Canberra and the Brumbies and the Western Force, and it took up until the 79th minute um, for the Brumbies to actually close this one out because we had the Force in front um, with some late sort of try, they got going in that second half and really started to um, put a little bit of pressure on this Brumbies team that I don't think they were expecting to have from um, these guys from out west. So 29-23, the Brumbies get it with the 79th minute heroics from Lachlan Monaghan after a Tom Wright break. Yeah, the uh, force once again looking really competitive. They've they've carried momentum through the off season and, and into this first game. Almost shook the Brumbies at home. Um, still, like I really liked the Pastor and Kunzel combination. It felt like that was really unlocking some of the outside backs. We saw lots of Pulu and um, Mataeli, and uh, yeah, just all all really good signs. It's a shame when we get into the previews, we'll talk about the changes to their side for this week. It's a shame that they're not going to get that continuity, uh, but but it's looking very competitive. Like they haven't dropped a whole um, sort of tier down with the loss of some of those key guys that they brought in to support their transition last year. So it seems like the plans worked. Uh, the forwards looked really good. Interesting seeing Anstey at eight, lots of ball running, definitely put on some weight. He's 
changed from the from the slightly leaner sevens player. He's definitely um, uh, thickened up. So uh, between that and and seeing Fergus Lee Warner and, and Isaac Rodder hard at work and and not really uh, losing anything f- having them in versus Jeremy Thrush, uh, Jeremy Thrush and uh, Tamani and and the guys from last year. It's good continuity. It's it's all looking good for the force and they just need to tidy things up and against the lesser opponents, they'll get the win. Yeah, again, it's just showing a lot of heart and you could see how much Nick White was trying to unsettle him with his niggle and, you know, they were really getting amongst it, which I liked and Fletty Kaitu. You know, it's nice to have some new blood there in there as captain, even though Ian Pry is a great leader on the field. I think them as a club need to move forward into, you know, this this next kind of era of their play. And as you said, Leigh, I think their new recruits, you know, were, were pretty good and I think we'll get better for the run. But it's, um, yeah, it's just I've, I've got a different feeling with the force that I do with the Rebels. And I think it's it's probably comes down to club culture and a lot of what they do behind the scenes. But I think given time, this team will really come into its own and, and be challenging for finals. Yeah, absolutely. And I really enjoyed watching sort of this force forward pack. They've got a lot of sort of dynamic ball runners and really sort of versatile players, probably still slightly lacking in depth in that front row, um, which sort of did hurt them a little bit against sort of this formidable Brumbies pack. And when they come up, uh, against some of the other sort of stronger packs in this competition, such as the Reds or um, heading over to some of the Kiwi teams with the Crusaders or Blues, they may come under a little bit of pressure from that. Um, but did enjoy getting to see a little bit of those guys as well as, yeah, those ex-Brumbies like um, Pasatoa, who we didn't get to see at all, um, giving him a little bit of space. I think he's made the right move heading over there. Let's look forward to round two of Super Rugby Pacific and, um, unfortunately, we will still not see the Moana Pacifica in round two of this competition. Um, they are out of isolation, back to training, but it's only really since Wednesday that they've been able to get together again, um, coaches and management as well as uh, Super Rugby weren't happy that they have enough preparation for this Chiefs game, despite even trying to move it to Sunday. So another postponement then. Um, still not going to get our full allotment of games this weekend and have to wait another week to see those boys. But we kick off with um, the Battle of South Island, and that's the Highlanders and Crusaders down at Forsyth Bar on Friday night. And Crusaders coming off that 10-point victory, once again, a 10.5-point favourites here um, against the Highlanders at home. What are we thinking, boys? 10.5-point favourites? They're 11.5. Depends what site you use. I've just gone off to New Zealand tab. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Sorry. Yeah, Highlanders back at home. Um, I still think it's going to be an uphill battle for them. The, the Crusaders are the, the toughest team in the competition over there. That's a, it's a big South Island battle they they enjoy and relish every year. Uh, I think that's probably a pretty fair um, pretty fair margin, to be honest. The, um, the way the games panned out last week, I, I don't see any reason to change that, I think. Um, the the Crusaders just have that firepower, and not even not even the Aaron Smith injection into the Highlanders is is, is going to be enough to to overcome them. It'd be interesting to see how uh, Garden Bashup goes at fullback. Um, that that's uh, going to be a very busy spot for him in this game. It'd be good to see him trying to trying to manage all the different threats from the Crusaders and position himself so he can at least 
um, have a, have a shot on whoever makes the break as they will come. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think look, the Highlanders always compete well and you know have good, pretty good form at Forsyth Bar. But this this Crusaders team, I think they'll shore up their defence and I think they'll um, they'll take care of business down there to take the Southern Classic out. I want to keep an eye on this, guys, um, just because the Highlanders last week, they didn't look as good when Aaron Smith was on the field. And then Falau Fakatava, obviously young gun, there's been a lot of hype about him, even though he missed last year with injury. When he came on, it really sort of sparked their sort of comeback in that Chiefs game. So definitely something to keep an eye on, see how they respond um, with Aaron Smith this week and whether we do see another difference there um, with Fakatava coming on late or sort of maybe early in the second half, depending on how we're looking. The other game on Friday night is the Waratahs hosting the Reds down Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. Um, so obviously Waratahs off that big win versus the Drua and Reds coming off the win versus the Rebels. Um, this is set up to be a lot closer than I think what we thought uh, a week before the start of this season. Reds do come in at favourites at um, six and a half points um, ahead in um, in the odds. But guys, what do we think? Do we believe that? Do we think that the Tars might actually be able to put some pressure on these boys um, and make a bit of a statement here? I give them, I give the Tars a, a good chance at keeping this competitive. I, they're certainly not going to run away with it. Uh, I think there's a chance the Reds do, but again, the leveler will be the weather. So Toby and I were looking at going to this game, but it does look like there's going to be pretty pretty high amounts of rain and possible thunderstorm. So it could get pretty filthy down there at Leichhardt. And if the Reds don't adjust like they should have last week, I think they'll they'll keep the Waratahs in this game. I think the Waratahs did look like they were sort of playing a smarter game. They weren't they weren't uh, maybe quite as conservative as they could have been when the weather was on, but I think they, they're they just looking to do the, the simple things right. They're going to be hampered by the loss of Lockie Swinton, who's battling injury, so he's out this week. Uh, other than that, I think they've they've got an unchanged lineup, so uh, that's good for them. Early season continuity, but but a bit of a loss in Swinton. Uh, I think the Reds, though, they're just the, the firepower on the back line, they're unchanged, and they're just going to be great, and even more exciting for me is Fraser McWright will be starting at seven because Liam Wright is unfortunately uh, battling a shoulder injury. So he's not even in the 23 this week. McWright gets back into the starting lineup and I think he's a threat from the get-go. Uh, he, he had some impact last week, but give him 80 minutes and he'll be everywhere causing all sorts of headaches for the Tars. Yeah, I think look, going on last week's form, the Tars were up and about and probably the better team, but... I expect the Reds to lift on some of their disappointing areas in their game. Um, and look, Leichhardt is is somewhere that um, Darren Coleman wants to make a stronghold for New South Wales rugby this season, given they're playing, I think, five games there. Um, it's it's going to be difficult for them. And they're coming up with, you know, against some pretty good opposition there. But it's um it's good to see that he's sticking with a lot of these guys, even though... You know, he could have probably made a few changes, I think, to the starting lineup. Give them a chance. Jeff Cridge, I think, is a real 
key to to unlocking the set piece for the Waratahs. He's showed some really good early season form. But I think the physicality here is going to be the key. And they showed in the first week the Tars can actually bring that physicality. Whether they can against this big Reds pack is is probably another story, particularly, as you said, Leo, without Lachlan Swinton. So huge game, I think, here. Obviously, quite a big rivalry. And Lucan Salakai-Lotto, news that he's going overseas to the UK, I think, from next year, potentially, for to Northampton. Um, so that'll be a little bit um, unsettling for the Reds. But apart from that, I think, look, Look out for Fraser McBride, as you said, Leo, as well. He's going to be huge, I think, in this one. You said there were a couple of changes like the Tars could have thought about making. What, what are you thinking there? Well, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure about Newsom and fullback. Um, but again, it's like it's limiting. I don't know what the status of James Ram is. I'm interested to see some more of Tame Edmund. Um, though it's difficult maybe for him to just come in at fullback. So, you know, James Turner, I think the wingers, Dylan Peach and James Turner, they'll rove a little bit more. I think they've got a lot of the potential to attack. Um, but, yeah, I think Newsom probably isn't the long-term option there for me at, at 15. Um, well, we know he's ch- only a placeholder for Kirtley, right? Because Kirtley's re-signed and yeah, will be back next year. And who, next who's going to want to try and develop and... and solidify a spot at 15 for the Tars when you know you're pretty much guaranteed to get usurped by Curtley next year. Yeah, so Tane, well, it's not a bad option for Tane Edmund because he's not making the starting lineup anyway. If he put his hand up and, and he's more of a playmaker than Newsom, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. It's just whether he's got um, maybe this, whether he's got the speed for, for fullback to, and I'm, I'm sure he could cover us. They spend enough time at 10 dropping into the sort of the, second line to to defend or defuse kicks and things. I'm, I'm sure he could do that bit. It's just whether he can hold up for a full game, carrying the ball up a bit more, and um, the kicking should be fine. Though. I'd, I'd like to see that. I, I don't think Newsom's the right pick there. It definitely feels like a caretaker until someone else is ready. My my worry is just that, yeah, it places a lot of um, pressure on Donaldson to do most of the creative work there. Fichetti's not much of a second ball player. Um, and neither, honestly, is, is Jamie Roberts if he were to be to come into inside centre. So, yeah, I think that's something they probably need to have a think about, although they've got a pretty powerful, you know, set of mm. ball runners there. So, I mean, it's it's whether you can play off maybe Jake Gordon a little more, bit more at nine and that unlocks some of these guys that are going to make those line breaks. I wonder if there's opportunity to try and get Parisi into 12, slip Newsom back to 13, which I know isn't ideal. Um, and and then Fichetti could come off the bench and someone like Edmed could be at the back. Like, I feel like that would give him a bit more balance and get Parisi's hands on the ball a little bit more often. I think he's just as good charging at the line at a gap at pace as he is at 13, where maybe he's got a little bit more space. But really, his directness in his runs and his... Um, the way he carries himself and bumps people off, I think would be effective at 12 as well. And uh, Fichetti kind of disappeared for me a bit on the weekend. I'm I'm not sure he's... I think he's probably going to be the one under threat there in the the backs. Yeah, I think we might see a regression from Fichetti. That's my feeling. I thought he was lucky to get into the Wallabies and I think he may... 
you know, fall foul of the fact that Jamie Roberts is waiting there at number 23. Mm. Um, week on week, that's hard to, to kind of fend off, I guess. But I think uh, you're right. You don't need to add more more of the same style, even if it is Jamie Roberts. He's there as a mentor more than a, a yeah, starting but I star. Think, look, he's a serious competitor and he'll be looking to play as many minutes as he can. I know that's what he's been touted as, but the guy would probably like to be starting right now. And I think, you know, someone like Fichetti's at risk. I think James Turner might be at risk if Newsom goes back to the wing. Um but yeah, it depends how they they play in the next couple of games. I think. I think you're t- you're judging too early with Fichetti there. I think it's a as a second kicking option. He's got a good boot on him, and he does have some handles on him. I know he's not the traditional sort of idea because he has played a lot more sort of thirteen than twelve in terms of playmaking. But um, allowing him and Parisi to develop that chemistry, I think they can work quite well together. Let's keep on going. Saturday afternoon, the Brumbies, another afternoon game in there. Hopefully we'll have a nice drier one versus the Drua, who, um, once again, it's not going to be easy for these guys uh, coming up against this vaunted Brumbies team. Um, that's coming out of GIO Stadium down in Canberra um, and Brumbies are heavy favourites, 28.5-point favourites there. Boys, are you taking the Brumbies even with the 28.5-points um, head start? I think it's pretty tempting. I I honestly think it'll still be um, too early for the Fijians to really threaten. The Brumbies are elite defenders, elite set piece. Um, so, and then like Toby said, the Fijians didn't show a lot of the sort of offload game. They were, like they were really vigorous in attack. They like they ran really hard, but we didn't see that kind of second and third. Um, sort of support runner come into play. So if they don't turn that on, I think the Brumbies will be able to comfortably shut them down. The errors will come and the Brumbies will play the tactical game, put it back into their into their territory and and they'll roll over. It's, you know, particularly around the around the malls. No doubt we will see penalties around the rolling mall trying to defend the Brumbies um, near the line and probably cards uh, if these guys aren't sort of um, skill-wise and and across all the laws and the interpretations, like they could fall afoul of the ref pretty quickly. So I think it's unfortunate, but, yeah, I'm, I'm predicting it's probably going to be that margin plus. I think that would be a, a safe bet to take the 26 or 28 on offer. I'm not so sure about the margin. I think it will be a pretty strong victory by the Brumbies. Um, they just look like... The Fiji and Drua really looked like they were kind of caught off guard by the niggle that the Waratahs brought as well. And I think that part of that was trying to slow down the game at times when the Drua were in attack and, you know, kind of unsettle them a bit. I think the Brummies will even, they could take that to the next level in terms of just controlling the game um, and defining how they're going to play. Just, I think, through their forwards, they've got such a strong set piece and, that's probably not something the Drew are particularly um, adept at. So I think the Brummies might start off, you know, and strangle them a bit and then let loose with some of their more athletic and exuberant backs that they have. And Ryan Lonigan there at nine, who's starting over Nick White, I think will even speed up the game a little bit more for them when they need to. Um, whether Nick White's got a bit of a niggle after all that physical 
action he was getting with some of the forwards or he's been kind of told to settle it down a bit because he was he was going pretty crazy in that first game. So good to see Ryan Lonigan then, uh, though, I think for some more minutes because he's a, he's a real talent. I think the, the selections I'm assuming are based on just the perceived weakness of the Fijian. So it's an opportunity to get the, the Lonigans starting um, just, you know, a couple of different guys in there and, and some other um, squad members on the bench too with people like Nick White there to back it up just to make sure if things get a bit close and dicey, you can always pull them back in. Um, but we're seeing Chris Foa-Satir there as well. So opportunities for guys in the greater squad um, but yeah, I still think they'll be they'll be too classy, and I don't see the Brumbies taking many shots at goal. Like I, I think they'll just be kicking for the line, trying to push for the seven points each time. I don't think they're going to feel threatened that they need to just you know take three here and there to to keep um, the pressure on the opposition. I'm sure they'll start scoring early, and they'll probably just roll with that. Do you put any um, weight in the sort of? Stuff McBurn sort of said this week with um, the Australian team is going to play slow down rugby against the Drua with them always trying to get get the ball away if there's ever a opportunity for a quick tap or anything or throwing the ball away or making sure that they can't um, use those opportunities or do you think that's just uh, a little bit of trying to draw attention away maybe from his team this week? I think it's probably their deficiencies somewhat in. <clears throat> some of the technical areas of the game and to be honest looking at fitness levels I think the Australian teams will match them for speed and and quickness of play so you know perhaps there was a little bit of that um, but I think now that we understand probably where they're at from a conditioning point of view it's not going to be as relevant I just think in terms of structure and set piece that's really where it's going to hurt them um, discipline as well I think they actually are a team that you can get at. Um, so, yeah, I think McBurn just has to kind of deviate some of the the energy that could come against himself, I guess, and this team if, if they start to have back-to-back performances like this. Mm. Coming out of New Zealand on Saturday night, Forsyth Bar once again, and we get our first taste of the Blues hosting the Hurricanes, or technically hosting as it's their home game. And Blues get to start as favourites, eight and a half points. Um, they give them to the Hurricanes. And our first chance to have a look at um, Tuavasa Shek in this one. Um, we haven't got concrete lineups out as yet, but we assume we will see him starting at 12. Um, other sort of notable news out of Blues camp is Bowden Barrett still suffering with concussion-like symptoms after that European tour in which he took a hit early in the Irish game. Um, boys, what are you expecting out of this Blues team? Still a lot of excitement, right? Like they've got some really potent attacking weapons and that's last year before they had Roger Tuvasa-Shek. So if he does in fact start in the midfield, like firepower for sure. Um, I guess they they also traded up, or not traded up, but they also upgraded their their defense last year, and and that's probably going to be the critical thing now because if they don't play a good eighty minutes of defense with their offense, the Hurricanes have shown that they've they've got the the fitness and the conditioning for the eighty minutes, and they'll they'll continue to put pressure on. I think you've just got to work on bottling up people like Geordie who can um, make the game a bit more close, a bit a bit. 
um, of a, a talisman now for the Hurricanes, the way he plays. And Ruben loves one to watch as well. That, that If they can shut down those two, it still feels like this is a, a fairly um, straightforward team. Like if, if you can close those two playmakers down, I don't know that they have the X factor um, in the inside backs to really break out. And, and if you can neutralize those guys, you probably neutralize the back three as well. Sorry, the other guys in the back three. So I think the Blues are, should be comfortable favorites. Um, but I guess it's hard to see because... They've had that extra week. Is that a is that a positive or does that mean they're going to come out rusty and, and take a while to get up to the speed of the Hurricanes of just first the the Crusaders? Yeah, and that's a balance ride, isn't it? Because the, the Canes have had that initial run where they probably have got rid of some of the cobwebs and the Blues, I think on paper, even without Bowden, will look really, really strong. Um, so for me, I, I, I think I'm going to have to take the Blues, but... It's it's going to be really interesting to see if it, they can carry over that form from last year and and be that consistent performing team, um, even without someone like Bowden Barrett. Harry Plummer at ten, I think, could be the option, but um, we'll have to wait and see for the lineup because they've got plenty of depth there. They've got plenty of explosive players, and if they get it together, you know they're going to have some points. But equally, the Canes putting thirty on the Crusaders, you know, it could be a really high scoring affair. Do you like the eight and a half point margin? I kind of feel like that's probably a little bit um, generous to the Blues, who again haven't haven't had that first hit out and and maybe a bit slow to start. Yeah, I think you just never know with them, to be honest. Like, really hard to judge. So it's a risky bet either way. They could easily come out and beat the Canes by twenty, while or you know have a shock loss. So I just don't trust them enough probably to bet that line, but I would take them for the win, I think. Um, but again, well, that's what I'm saying. I think I'd take the hurricanes at plus eight and a half. Yeah, I would say that's the, that's the better bet, but the, the blues have it in them to just blow teams out as well. So yeah. that's why it's a risky bet. I definitely, I definitely think it's a bit of a stay away this game. You just don't know enough about what the blues are going to bring early on in the season. There's plenty of chance. The, the thing I want you guys to look at and tell me when we record next week, um, because there's a lot of stuff floating around the media over here in Auckland and in New Zealand in general that Roger Tuivasa-Shek is destined for All Blacks debut this year, potentially going to solve their problems at 12 because they still haven't really found their 12. So we haven't seen him yet. This will be our first chance to actually have a look. Guys, that's what I want you to tell me next week. Um, going to the final game of the weekend, and we have the Rebels and the Force coming to us from Amy Park, and this is more or less a push, this game. Um, Rebels technically favoured by half a point. Um, it's it's a tough call to, to put them pretty much on level pecking, and you got to think if they replicate what they did last week, you got to think the Force should be able to take this one, right? Yeah, I'm I'm strong on the force. Like, unfortunately, the rebels have uh, just basically bailed on their plan with Carter Gordon. Like, I I assume he's not carrying injury. He he had a had a fairly tough old eighty minutes last week, but he's there on the bench this week, and they reverted to Tomua at ten, which I, I thought I thought we were I thought we were past this. I thought we'd uh, heard that they 
planned to use Tomoa in the centers and and were committing to Carter Gordon and like I guess I'm a proponent of the the theory that you only learn and and get your development um, sort of jump started when you when you suffer a few tough games like you're better off just leaving the guy in and let him learn from these experiences. This is a winnable game for the Rebels, but I feel like they're at a at a handicap putting Tom Moore back in the 10 role and putting Carter Gordon back on the bench. That just, I feel like that stunts his opportunities, his, his momentum. Um, he's a tough old player. He's playing his old team last week. They all had it in for him. He'd be better off this week uh, if he was fit. And, and I haven't heard that he's not. So really odd that they've done that. And I think that definitely makes the Western force the stronger side. They've, they've got the consistency. They're missing Quenzel. At 12, he's he's still getting over an injury of his own, but he put in Richard Kahui. The guy just keeps on playing. Um, so like how can we how can we go past the force in this one? I think even without the concussed Quenzel, that's that's still looking like a pretty good back line that looked like they combined well last week. Yeah, it's a shame. I think Carter Gordon probably tried to take matters into his own hands too much in the first game and overplayed his hand, tried to run it too much, probably didn't execute the game plan that the Rebels were trying to um, put in put put into that game. But you've got you to back a young player and give him a second chance. Like, to do this, if it's, if it's for those reasons, is a mistake and will knock his confidence and make him second-guess himself. I think that's the worst thing that Carly Gordon can do at the moment. Matt Tamua, he's going to do a job for you, but... Again, I think versus a team like this, the force these days, it's not going to be good enough just to be shuffling the ball around and, and kicking for territory. I think you need a little bit more than that. And, um, yeah, I'm also liking the look of this force bench in the second half when they come on. There's there's plenty of, um, yeah, good players coming off the bench there. Just, just go one-to-one through the Rebels and the force. And there's very few people who I think are... Uh, uh, definitively a stronger sort of player individually in the Rebels than the Force. Like, I look at pretty much... like the, the, if, if one of the key Rebels guys is Matt Phillip, right? He's the mainstay of your pack. He's there in the middle. He's big in the lineups. He's big in the scrums. He's a leader. He's a senior player. He's a, a wallaby of many caps. But the Force have Rodder, and their second is Lee Warner. And we reckon Lee Warner's better than Taylor Petty, right? So that's a battle that the Force win... Um, the back row for the force looks much more dynamic. They run so hard. Stander and Kateka are just madmen, and Ansi's really coming along. Like Wells is a solid player. He, he gets in and he makes some pilfers. Wilkins actually looking better too. But I'm more I'm more interested in the force. Pretty much more interested in the force front row. Definitely more interested in the force backs. Pretty much across the park. Um, you know, Powell maybe beats out Pryor, and I guess you got to give Tomua on experience the the edge on. Pasatol, but Pasatol looked really good last week. So mm. I, I just I'm looking at it that way. I know it's not a it's not really a a game of individual sums, but but the the, the force of the consistent group who've been playing together, a couple of new additions that looked good last week. I I'm on the force for this one for sure. Yeah, I agree. And um, speaking of, like we talked about the Rebels jerseys, the Force jerseys on the weekend, I was really impressed. With. I really like the new style, the black and yellow there as well um so really excited to see a little bit more of them as well 
um, this week. And um, I think you're right. I think they're going to get a win down here. So there you go. There's a safe bet for you. We also have round three of the Six Nations kicking off. So three games here. So we have um, first off early Sunday morning Australian time, uh, Scotland hosting France is probably the game of the weekend. Scotland, France in Murrayfield. England hosting Wales in Twickenham. And then coming to us early Monday morning, Ireland hosting Italy. So in those games, we have France favourite by six and a half points, um, England favourite by 14 and a half points, and Ireland favourite by 40 points. Um, guys, feelings on this one? The bookies got it right. Are you seeing uh, a close one maybe between Scotland and France, but otherwise a few sort of blowouts here? I think Wales, England's probably destined to be closer than people think. And, um, you know, both those teams are capable of having inconsistent performances at the moment, but Wales will rise up when you least suspect it and England will kind of do the same. So I think that could be hotly contested. Ireland should make a meal of, of Italy and Scotland, I think, although they've started well, France are the better team and they should get that done. Yeah, I think the Wales-England game, unfortunately, it's at Twickenham. I think it'd be quite close being in Wales' home turf, but England will be seeing themselves as the favourites. And I think they've, the new generation of guys be warding off the, the Welsh. And this is funny to look. It's like France obviously got um, undefeated so far and everyone else bar Italy is, is a one win, one loss. So which week are you, are you expecting from these teams? Uh, but I, I would think France, uh, just on recent history, should be looking to go through this competition undefeated for sure. And remember that uh, Major League Rugby is well and truly underway as well as our Japanese Top League. Um, we saw a bit of uh, a f- well, hopefully future and former Wallaby and Marika Korobeti make, um, make some waves with the Panasonic Wild Knights with a couple of tries over the weekend. Um, he's looking very dynamic and very hungry over there. He's going to have a great time, I think, and score a lot of points. Uh, remember, you can check out all those Japanese games on stand just like all of Super Rugby Pacific, as well as Six Nations as well. Um, just remind me, boys, who who topped our little tipping comp for this first week? You did, Archie. Well done. Yeah, I'm proud go. of you. Thank it's you. about time. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad someone brought it up. I mean, I don't like fishing for recognition, but, yeah, I think it's just important to recognise where, where um, the talent in this podcast lies. And to think we waste you as the host asking all the questions. Exactly. Someone's got to do it, I guess. That about wraps it up for this week anyway, guys. Um, make sure you get your tips on or put some bets on uh, if you think um, we've given you some good knowledge in there. Um, make sure you're checking out our social media at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, otherwise, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to yours, Apple iTunes, or on Spotify. Um, Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week. And as always, keep on running. Run.